From deep in the heart of the swamp, this is Gator Tales, the official podcast of the Florida Gators. Gator Tales is brought to you by UF Health, the official healthcare provider of the Florida Gators. Welcome to Gator Tales, Gator Greats. I'm your host, Adam Schick. On last week's show, we relived the historic three-peat achieved by gymnastics from 2013 to 2015, and on today's bonus episode, we'll explore the life stories and dynamic personalities of two of the gymnasts who anchored that run, an NCAA all-around champion Bridget Sloan and NCAA vault champion Marissa King. To get us started, let's learn how Bridget Sloan blossomed from a shy soccer player into an outgoing Olympic gymnast that became the first world all-around champion to compete collegiately when she showed up on campus at UF. As we discovered from our conversation with the Indiana native, her record-smashing career was born from being a rambunctious kid who simply needed an outlet for her boundless energy. I think because I was the fourth child, so I was the youngest, my parents didn't really know what to do with me. <laughs> so, and my oldest brother, oh gosh, I don't even know how old he is now. Just so terrible. But after they turned 30, I was like, guys, I just don't know. I'm not keeping but, track anymore after that. Honestly. But I think my parents kind of looked at me. I had a lot of energy. I was always trying to keep up with my siblings. Everyone was very active. So all of us played soccer. Um, I played till I was seven. My Brother Nate played on into college. My brother Kyle played his entire high school career. My sister the same. So we were all very, very active in throwing and swimming and track and cross country. So you can imagine it was just hectic 24-7. But with me, I, I had all this energy and my parents just needed me to channel it in a positive way. Um, so I started playing soccer. Yeah, soccer was cool whatever. And then they heard about this gym. So we had just moved to Indiana when I was four. They heard about this gymnastics facility and they're like, you know, what? let's just take her. So I don't remember this at all, but I've been told by multiple people, as soon as I walked into the gym, it was just chaos. <laughs> I was running everywhere. I didn't, I had zero listening skills, which I honestly can't even say that they're that much better now, but <laughs> it was just I had this love for it though. And it started day one. And my parents had no idea that I would ever compete. They strictly wanted me to be able to sleep at night mm -hmm. and come home from practice and just be super tired, ready for bed, whatever. Uh, my dad had all of these inspirations for me to be a, a soccer stud. So he was like, oh, she's just going to be in gymnastics for a little bit. Mm -hmm. obviously that is not the case here. And I just kind of fell in love with the sport from day one. So I started when I was four um, and I started with what was called junior hot shots. It was a couple times a week, nothing crazy. And then it wasn't until I was seven where I really, I started competing. I had a different, I guess, sense of courage when I was competing. And I just had this sense of love that I had never felt before. Like there was nothing that I loved more than gymnastics. I loved the competing. I loved the practice. I loved the energy. I loved the fear that I had sometimes, the skills. But I never knew kind of what that meant until later on in life. But essentially, my mom asked me when I was seven if I wanted to continue playing soccer. And I told her, you know, if you really want me to play soccer, I will. But I want to do gymnastics full time. 
And after that, I was a gymnast. Hmm. And that's all I did. I guess there's a lot of people that probably have that moment where they decide, okay, I'm going to focus on this sport, but it doesn't mean that they're going to go on to be an Olympian, you know, some years later. How did you get on that track to to being an elite gymnast and ultimately an, an Olympic athlete, an Olympic uh, an Olympic medalist? I think it had to do a lot with, I was a very, very unique athlete. And I know everyone is unique in their own way. But for me being a gymnast, I was a very unique athlete because I was very strong. I was very small and I was very flexible. So I kind of had all those key points that you look for in a gymnast or that you see, I shouldn't say you look for, but what you see in a gymnast, I had those. So starting compete at seven, I was, I was absolutely terrible. Um, actually when I first started, I (laughs) fell all the time during competitions. Like I, I was just out there having fun, but it wasn't till I was 10, 10 years old was a very pinnacle moment for me. Um, it was very, the age of kind of who is Bridget Sloan. I was in third grade. We had to make a list of three goals we had. Obviously, kids are like, I want to be an astronaut. I want to be a fireman. I want to do, you know, I don't want to say your basic goals, but there were, you had those kids. And then me, I said, I wanted to be a vet. Hmm. I wanted to go to Purdue, which is where my brother was going to school. So I was all about being a Boilermaker. (laughs) And I wanted to be an Olympian. And I think it was that moment or during that time period that my parents realized like she wants this. And at that point, I was just starting into the elite realm of gymnastics. So I was just starting my elite career. Um, I was what you would call a child elite, which I don't even think that exists anymore. But anyway, I was kind of, I was stepping into that world. But it was 10 years old that I said, I want to be an Olympian. And it wasn't just an Olympian. I wanted to be a 2008 Olympian. So clearly I had done the math Mm -hmm. and knew that I was going to be 16. And that was going to, that was the year that I wanted to go. Why? Like, why, you know, why were you that focused on that, that year that was, did you want to go to Beijing? (laughs) Oh man. I don't think it was Beijing that I wanted to go to. (laughs) I really, I don't know what it is about the Olympics that, because I don't remember a moment of watching, like, obviously I watched the 96 Olympics, um, I watched the 2000 Olympics, I watched the 2004 Olympics, but I don't remember a moment of like, I want that. I think it was just being in the gymnastics world so much. I saw other people competing and it was more of, I, w- I want to do what they're doing, mm-hmm. which turned into, okay, well, they're going to the Olympics. I want to do that. So 2008 comes around, you're on the Olympic team, you compete in Beijing, you win a silver medal. Just tell us about that experience. Was the Olympic experience what you thought it would be, or in, in what ways did it surprise you? I can't say I had any idea what it was going to be like. <laughs> um, I do distinctly remember when they announced the Olympic team, it was like this weight had been lifted off my shoulders for like two seconds. And then all of a sudden it hit me like, oh my God, now I have to actually go over there and compete. It was this whole new rush. The one thing I will say, so I watched the 2008 Olympics that were broadcasted this past Tuesday. That was the very first time I'd ever watched the broadcast. Um, And it brought back just a immense amount of emotions and feelings. And it was just all these memories started coming back. And I was like, oh my gosh, I remember that. 
But I have to say the one thing I wish I would have done is kind of taken it in more. Um, as a newly 16-year-old, I can say that my priorities, obviously, were competing and being there for my team. But directly after that, it was talking to my friends back home. Mm-hmm. So I kind of wish I would have really taken it in, walked around, just kind of been a little more of an extrovert. Um, back then, I was very quiet, just so funny because I am the polar opposite now. <laughs> but, but my team and I, we, we had a job to do. So the whole time we were over there for a month and we were there, I want to say we got there like late July, like July 26th or 7th, maybe. And the Olympics didn't even start till August 8th and we didn't even start competing till 10th. Hmm. So we had a lot of time to acclimate. Our sleeping schedules were perfect. Like we, we were, we were on China time, like everything was good. And then we started competing and that's when it really got real. And when I watched, I was like, oh my gosh, I had no emotion back then. Like my face, I was just like a stone cold killer. I'm like, little do they know I was like panic mode inside. Like, oh my God, oh my God, it's happening. I'm going, I'm right. going. <laughs> but I mean, overall, I look back and again, I, I do wish I would have taken it in a little bit more, but I had the memories that I was able to create the bond that I have with my team is something that you just don't come by anymore. I mean, we are all six of us. We are all very, very close. Three of those six athletes I am extremely close with now. And it's just really cool that we come from such different backgrounds, but we have that one common thing and it just happens to be the Olympics. You know, it's funny when you talk about the Olympics and gymnastics because most people only get one shot. And you talked about, you know, timing it because you knew you'd be 16. It was right in that window. Um, not a lot of people get that second crack at the apple. But you were on that track up until the very end in, in 2012. Can you sort of walk us through that process and what ultimately happened? Oh, man. Now we're really going dark, down a dark path. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. So after the Olympics... I was the youngest on my team, so I had just turned 16. I was in really good health, which is very surprising. Um, (laughs) I had a knee injury. I had a knee injury before the Olympics, but that that was really the only thing, and it actually did not give me any issues and has been perfect ever since. But I took some time off, and then I realized I still still had something to do. So there was this period where I was almost in limbo. Like, I didn't really know what my purpose was. I didn't know what I was training for anymore. Um, So we kind of had to reevaluate and think of my new goal. And I wanted to win the world championships. That was my next goal. I was like, you know what? I've gone to the Olympics now. I have all this experience under my belt. I can compete in front of millions of people and at least not look like I'm being phased, which again, my inner self was in panic mode. But I I wanted to do the world championships and I wanted to win the world championships. So that was my next goal. And I trained for it. And again, being the youngest on that team was so good for me. And I didn't realize it at the time, but it allowed me to keep training. And again, having that good health, I have to thank St. Vincent Sports Performance because they kept me together. Um, Daryl Barnes was the guy I saw. And he was, that poor guy had to put up with a lot between (laughs) my little injuries and little things. But Because I was healthy, I kept training and go on to win the world championships in 2009, which was incredible for me. That was almost one of the most proud moments I've ever had. 
And it was funny because every time I would come back from these huge competitions, I come back from the Olympics and I start my sophomore year of high school. Wow. I come back from the world championships and starting my junior. Like I'm still in my sophomore year and I'm starting my junior. Like it's crazy how I just kind of, in the snap of snap of your fingers, I was just back to normal. Right. So after 2009, it was kind of, oh my gosh, now I really have to figure it out. And there was something about 2012 and I was like, man, I think I kind of want to try again, but I hadn't made that decision just yet. Um, so 2010 happens, nothing really crazy. Um, I did make the 2010 world championship team, which was great. Uh, and then 2011 was kind of a, kind of a rough year for me. Um, I ended up having very major shoulder surgery. Uh, I just had these little aches and pains that I felt like were not going to go away. And it was very difficult for me to keep going because at this time, I'm a senior in high school. I'm figuring out where I want to go to college. So I'm kind of trying to balance this whole attitude towards elite and what my goals are for that. And at the same time, I'm so excited about going to college and being a college athlete. So it was really, really hard to balance those two. And I had... I'll consider Jason a mentor of mine. Jason and I had a very special bond. He was a phenomenal athlete. And he asked me if I wanted to watch the 2012 Olympics from my couch or if I wanted to give them a try. And that was like, oh, my God, I do not want to watch them from my couch. Hmm. I definitely, whether I watch them from my couch or not, that's going to be my decision. Mm -hmm. And I did not want, I didn't want to not try. So I ended up graduating high school and I took a year off and I strictly trained for the 2012 Olympics. Felt pretty good actually going into Olympic trials. Um, I At this point, I was, I believe, either 20 years old or I was turning 20. So in gymnastics years, I was a dinosaur. Right. <laughs> I was so old. And, you know, it's crazy. At the Olympic trials, I'm getting ready. I'm warming up. It was the day of day one literally the morning of and we're warming up and I fell and ended up just hitting my elbow just right. And in the blink of an eye, my Olympic dream for 2012 was over. Mm. I mean, it was it was wild. That was a really difficult time for me because I had never experienced something like that. Mm -hmm. I had always when I worked for something, because I put that work in, I, I was able to do it. So being kind of cut off due to injury was really hard. And I ended up bruising. I don't even remember exactly what the injury was. But essentially, I bruised the nerve, I believe they thought I like severed the nerve. And I'm like, Oh, my God, I don't even know what that means. But right. it sounds really bad. I'm like, <laughs> that does not sound good. But in the long term, there was no way I was going to be able to compete. I mean, I had a lot of pain going into my hand. And it very, very weird moment for me. But the one thing that I have to say kept me from really going down. I think injuries sometimes with athletes, they can take people to a dark place. Mm -hmm. And especially when, when your career ends due to injury, it's very easy to call it quits and just say, I'm going to be negative all the time. Don't talk to me. I'm going to be mopey and sad and just leave me be. And the one thing that kept me from going to that place was college. Hmm. I mean, I, I had already decided after the Olympic trials, whether I made the team or not, I was going to be going to the University of Florida as soon as the Olympics were over. Uh, whether I was there, great. If I didn't make it, I was, I, that was still the plan. 
Mm-hmm. So that was kind of the light at the end of the tunnel for me. But having your body kind of give up on you, man, I was I was mad. I was very mad at myself. Mm-hmm. And I just couldn't believe that that had happened. And it was just this period of time where I was just like, why? Why me? Why did this happen? And then you start to realize everything in life happens for a reason. So I did not make the Olympics in 2012. I was devastated. I was upset. I was sad. But I was able to go into college with this just mindset of clarity. I mean, I I was excited. And I almost wonder would I have been as excited about college and so open to any opportunity that came my way if I had made that team. Mm -hmm. I'm sure I would have gone to college with a little bit of a chip on my shoulder thinking I am better than anybody because I just came from the Olympics. And now I'm going to college and I am a, I am your average freshman. I am, (laughs) (laughs) we're doing icebreakers. We're doing, I mean, it was awesome. Going into your senior year, you've gone three for three. I'm sure you're already thinking like, let's go four for four. And then things change radically. Rhonda leaves, Jenny comes in. Um, Can you talk about your senior year and, and how it differed from the first three years? Um, yeah, senior year was very, very different. You know, I had a lot of emotions going through my head about being a senior. It's kind of like, oh my gosh, I'm a senior now. Like, this is crazy. You have those emotions. And then I, again, going back to me being a very stubborn athlete, I didn't like change. So there was change that I didn't like. And then I also, the sense of losing a coach, like really, really sucked, we'll Mm -hmm. say. Um, so I had a lot of anger towards Rhonda. So going into that senior year, it's supposed to be the best time of your life. You're supposed to be living it up. It's your senior year, all this and that. I was very angry the beginning of my senior year. I just felt like betrayed. Mm-hmm. And it was something again that I had never dealt with before. I had had one coach my entire elite career, entire pre-college career. I had one coach. So when I got to college, I wanted I wanted the same coaching staff. I didn't want any change. And come senior year, it was like a punch to the face of just change. And it was very challenging. That was a very challenging year because there were a lot of personal things that were happening. So I was dealing with those. And then I have this coaching change where everyone kind of thought, everyone thought I was going to transfer which I, I genuinely don't know where that rumor came about. I don't believe I ever even said those words. So it was very almost kind of annoying to me that people were like, well, are you going to transfer? I'm like, why would I do that? That is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I'm like, <laughs> no. So I have like people kind of telling me that I've got this personal issues going on back home. And then I've got this coaching change. And Jenny, Jenny and I didn't really get off on the right foot. Now that I'm older and I'm not her athlete, I'm like, you know, we we didn't really get off on the right foot. Mm-hmm. And we know that, right? And it was just, it took a lot. Um, anyone who's gone through a coaching change will tell you, it's just, it's different. And it's hard. It's really hard when you're a senior because you're like, I had one more year left. One more year. And you couldn't stick it out. <laughs> you know, that was, honestly, that was my mentality, right. which I I have to say that is not the right mentality. <laughs> That took me to very angry, upset places that no one needs to go to. So it was probably midway through my the preseason of my senior year that I realized we had to have a change. Like I had to change my attitude. 
or else my whole, I should just call it quits now, which I did. And I ended up, you know, we start, I started meeting, meeting with Jenny a little bit more. And I think I was just so closed off to her getting to know the real me that that was hard. So once we, I think once we got past that and I think once she realized I am, I'm very difficult of an outer shell, but then once it, once it breaks and I let you in, I actually am a very genuine, caring individual. It's just, I put on this face of like, I don't care. I don't, that's fine. And Mm -hmm. deep down I'm like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. (laughs) (laughs) So I think that was the big thing for me Um, was just learning, learning to adjust. And again, that year taught me a lot about who I was as a person, as an athlete, as a student, everything. I mean, you learn, I think you learn the most about yourself, your senior year, your freshman and your senior year, I would say, because as a freshman, you're learning the college you. And then as a senior, you're kind of learning who you were as a college student and who you are going to be as an adult. When you look back on your career on the whole, I mean, we've talked about a lot of it, but you know, if we listed all of the awards, the championships, et cetera, it, it could take all day. But, you know, you won an Olympic medal, you won a national championship, you won an all around. I mean, every single thing. What are you most proud of when you look back on your entire career? Um, Man, college, it was it would definitely be winning that first national championship. I mean, that was just a that moment. I mean, it kind of gives me chills talking about it. It's just a very that was a very special, special moment. Um, and I think anyone who was on that team will tell you it just it, it hit different. Um, and especially because I was a freshman and yes, we did win three national championships. That one definitely meant the most because I think that's what jump started the rest of them. And then winning the Honda Award. I didn't know what that was. Mm-hmm. Again. I had no idea what the Honda award was, but after learning everything about it, I mean, it's a very prestigious award. It was very cool my freshman year and it was even cooler my senior year. What was so cool about it? Like what about the award made it so special for you? Honestly, it was when someone told me it was the Heisman of gymnastics. I was (laughs) like, what? (laughs) I got a Heisman now. Sweet. Yeah. I was like, I got a plate. It looks like a big old spaghetti plate, but... (laughs) That's cool. Um, And yeah, and I think just, you know, knowing that the work that you've put in all year is being recognized. It's all, I mean, everyone wants to be recognized for what they, for the hard work they do. No one's going to say, I want to work hard, but I don't want anyone to know about it. Mm -hmm. So having, having the hard work and the dedication pay off in that way. I mean, it paid off as a team for sure, all three years that we won. And even my senior year, I still think it paid off in its own special way. But having it pay off as an individual and being recognized for that is really, really cool. In terms of your post-gymnastics career in life, I think it's one of the more unique sports in the sense that by the time you finish college, for the most part, that's that's the end, right? Unless you go into Cirque du Soleil like Marissa King did, um, there's not a lot of other avenues to go down. So how difficult was it for you to pivot once you realized gymnastics was in the rearview mirror and how did that lead you to where you are today? Um, honestly, it really wasn't hard for me. I was ready. Oh, <laughs> I was ready. I mean, I, I do remember like in 2016, we're at NCAAs and we're waking up for 
at that point they had switched. There were no more three days of competition. It was only two. And I do remember like, huh, this is my last day of gymnastics ever. Oh, interesting. Like it was like, huh. And in the moment you don't realize it, but I do, I do remember doing my dismount on bars, landing, saluting. I run down, take my grips off. And I just remember looking at it and I was like, I'm never going to put those on again. And because I was ready, I mean, mentally, I was, I was ready. Um, Physically, I actually was pretty healthy, but it was hard because, you know, with gymnastics, we had NCAAs at the beginning of April and then I graduated in April, maybe May. I don't really remember. I know I graduated very quickly after. So it was kind of, everything was just kind of all at once. I think because I was ready and mentally, I was like, you know what? Like I knew my gymnastics career was going to end. I knew it. I knew the day was coming. So I was ready to see the next kind of chapter's challenges. And I think because I looked at it more as I was actually very excited about what the future was going to be like. I mean, I was like, who knows? Am I going to go to grad school? Mm, Probably not, but maybe, you know, I was like, am I like, I had no idea. Um, and instead of that being a burden on me, I think because I looked at it as an opportunity, my transition into, we'll call it adulthood was very smooth. So what, what has that led to today? What have you done since gymnastics wrapped up and, and where are you now? Well, it has taken me to Ohio for a year and then I moved back to Orlando, which is where I am currently. Um, I am in a sales job, which is great. I really love it. I had no idea how I got started in it, though. Like, I I don't know how I got here, but I'm really happy I'm here. Uh, I have an amazing friend group here in Orlando. I do CrossFit now, which obviously I have to say that I do CrossFit because every CrossFitter tells people about it. Why do it if you're not going to talk about it, right? (laughs) You're so right. You're so right. Um. But I also, but I think because I've just been surrounded by really great people, that helps any transition, any moving. I mean, I moved here and I knew nobody and I've been able to make connections and meet people and just create these friendships. And I'm like, wow, I never moved to Orlando. I don't know if I would have ever met you. So yeah, so I just, I mean, I'm kind of living the dream down here. Uh, I still work for ESPN, which that was an ultimate goal of mine. So I still do that. And we're doing gymnastics camps here and there. We're, I've got a lot of side hustles. Yeah. Big into this. I've got a, I've got a main job and then I've got some side hustles that I really enjoy doing. Well, Bridget, thank you so much for, for sharing your story, for sharing your journey with us and uh, stay safe and, and good luck to you in Orlando. Thank you. Most elite gymnasts start out really young like Bridget, but Marissa King is not your standard gymnast. The native of England was a bit late to the game, which was partly due to a family much more rooted in academics than athletics. One of many unique aspects to a story that started across the pond and is now continued all around the world. My mother, uh, she works at one of the Cambridge universities um, and my father is a technical author. Yeah, they both didn't really have any sporting background whatsoever. It's interesting. I don't really know where, where mine came from at all. So uh, my, my brother was, is more the brains in the family. He's more very, he's very academic. Um, and then I'm the sporty one. So it's nice that we have like a balance of different things in the family, I think. Um, I started gymnastics really late. I started when I was eight. Wow. And that's, 
that's that's quite late late bloomer i think i i, I like to call myself sometimes because <laughs> by eight nine years old you know especially to be an elite level you know it's it's risky especially if um they don't you know you have to really build up the core foundation for gymnastics from a very young age and that's typically you know most girls start around four or five that's the average age so to be around eight you know to start from scratch it's um don't really know how it's going to go but i think i just loved gymnastics so much i was always playing at home i was always doing extra reps i was always doing more conditioning i was that I was that gymnast that always wanted to do one more, which is rare because usually, you know, you have some girls now that, you know, it's difficult to push them to do the numbers or they just scrape through the numbers and that's enough for the day. I was always wanting to do extra. I think that that passion and that drive to want to do more numbers is probably what helped me kind of catch up after starting at such a late age. Um, also the coaching, you know, I have fabulous coaches when I was, um, training in, in England. Paul Hall, he's, uh, now the Great Britain men's national coach. So wow. I had a very good technical coach, a little bit more on the men's style things. Uh, but for gymnastics and for women's, so it, it still translated very well for me. We had Russian coaches that came over for summer camps that worked with us, um, when I was training in elite as well. So the Romanian Russian style was very in my blood from, you know, doing all those camps and all those uh, training with those types of coaches when I was an elite and then yeah I didn't go to my first international until until I was 15 years old I think wow and then yeah it was Europeans and then worlds and then one more Europeans and then Olympics so the Olympics was actually my fourth biggest international competition I'd ever been to and I think though because I had done so many international competitions the year prior plus the year leading up to the Olympics I was already out on the international field. You know, you gain a lot of experience every single international competition that you do. Um, so leading up to the games, I had had quite a lot of experience within those years leading up to it, but obviously not as much experience as some gymnasts who had done international competition for their country for many years, if that makes sense. So yeah, it was, it was a, it was a short, compact, elite time. I went to the Olympics. I took a bit of a break and then I did the 2009 Worlds and then I came straight to Florida. Um, so my elite career was short, but productive, I want to say, pretty successful. Um, never thought I'd go to the Olympic Games. It was a dream, obviously, but I don't think until maybe the year leading up to it, I was like, wow, this is, this is actually, you know, something I can strive for and can actually happen. You know, going to the Olympic Games is, is something that every athlete, I think, dreams of, but, you know, the the reality of, of, of going, especially in gymnastics, only having, you know, five or six on a team, it's, it's quite small. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, my dream definitely became reality. And I think the year of it, I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to I'm so close to this. I, I think I can do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to make sure I make that team. Right. Um, whereas, you know, for example, 2020, 2021 in gymnastics, you can only take I think four girls now which is which is really really difficult i mean especially countries like the united states that have so many good gymnasts sure. so only take four per country that's yeah that's really tough um so yeah olympic games and then a couple more competitions and florida here i came because i was recruited at the 2008 olympic games and i had never really understood like collegiate gymnastics and the collegiate side of sports in the states so it wasn't until I came on a visit and kind of started to understand things and then definitely coming in straight uh, to my freshman year in December, straight into season in January um, and having that first season kind of straight off the bat was a huge, huge learning experience for me. Very fast, 
but very good I think too because I'm kind of you know gymnast I kind of if I get thrown into the deep end I don't drought I pull myself out to the surface and I figure it out myself I'm not one to get too overwhelmed where you know I have to take steps back like I get my stuff together and I figure it out and you know I think that's quite a good quality because it's very easy to overwhelm someone especially you know someone that maybe was in my position where I come from a different country to a whole new collegiate world that is very unknown over in Europe to then get thrown straight into season, not really understanding what I'm doing, but being able to do it. And um, plus the whole schooling system, you know, going to classes and then the American, you'd be surprised at how different the American language to like American grammar to British grammar is. And you don't know it until you go to school, maybe in the States. Right. Uh, something math. I struggled with that. <laughs> math, math. Yeah. Math is not too bad, but in, in writing essays and stuff, you know, the way we write things in in England. It's uh, the grammar is very different right. than in the states. Oh, no, I was so I was that... saying the word maths plural. I was saying the word oh. maths. <laughs> yeah, don't even get me started. Some of the terminology that I had to get used to in America that's so different to the states. <laughs> Inside of gymnastics and outside of gymnastics, it, it was definitely an yeah a learning curve for me. But that's what made it all so exciting. I think because it was so different, and I was learning something new every day. And I was so out of my comfort zone that it really grew me to who I am today because of the experience. So that's, that's definitely something I'd never regret. That's the most comprehensive answer anyone has ever given to my opening question. So congratulations. <laughs> First of all, congratulations. Um, you talked about going to the Olympics kind of so early on in your career. I mean, for so many athletes, that's the, the pinnacle of their career that they build up mm. to is to get that opportunity. So what was it like for that to happen so early for you? And then to even figure out, well, now that I accomplished this, what else is there for me to strive for in this sport? Mm -hmm. For sure. I mean, I remember after the Olympics, I came home and I was like, I've made it. You know, I've made it to the best of the best like what's next almost and I did take some time off because you know I felt very burnt out preparing for the Olympics with all the competitions I was doing and all the training you know we we're doing 35 40 hour weeks it was a lot but then I remember for sure being like okay um do I continue do I not if I don't what do I do and that's when I think university was always something that I knew I wanted to do I think more my parents really wanted me to go to college so University of Florida crept up. There was, you know, we were getting letters from like uh, LSU, UCLA, Stanford, and these other schools as well that were interested once they heard that I was also of the age and interested in going to university in the States. So I think my father, for sure, he was someone that really valued education and taking opportunities. And he sat me down. He's like, look, you know, go to America. Try going to America for a year. Even if you don't like it and it doesn't work out, you can do the year and you can come back home. But I think this is a great opportunity for you that not many people get. So let's try it out. And I think um, having the confidence in him also supporting me to go all the way to America, you know, for a parent, I can't even imagine, you know, having to say goodbye to your child and have them not only go to university, maybe a couple hour drive away, but across the ocean, sure. you know, to a different country. It's um, It must have been really difficult for them. But I think the acceleration in my gymnastics career yes I don't think it was typical very normal to have had um, such a short you know elite gymnastics career and have accomplished so much within that as well um, that I think it really did set me up for striving into a new chapter of life and also you know accelerating and kind of being thrown into that because um, 
you know, I, I, I guess that's just kind of how, how things have always been. You know, it hasn't been, you know, something that you built, I've built up towards for so long. It just, I kind of get thrown into it. All right, let's figure it out and learn how to be successful in this new world of where you're at. And I think elite gymnastics maybe set me up for that for sure because mm-hmm. it was a very short career. And it's funny when I go home and I maybe, I don't know, visit some gyms and maybe go to the British National Championships. And I'm like, oh, no one's going to remember me because my career was so short-lived. And I did just, you know, I went to one Olympics. People now are going to like two or three Olympic Games, you know. Back then, going to one, that was huge. If you went to a second, that was like, like unheard of almost because, right. uh, you know, the technology and the advances in the physiotherapy now that's available to athletes is incredible compared to the 12 years ago. So, yeah, I always think that people won't remember me, but because it was so short lived, but people do, you know, once an Olympian, always an Olympian. And um, the big fans will always remember you. And I think with Florida, the four years of being at Florida is almost short lived as well because I was like, oh, I want to do more after my four years. Right. Um, I went to a uh, the Orange Bowl, just, it was it. It was just, I think, January. Yeah, yeah. yeah Miami. And, um, yeah, I haven't been in, in a Gators yeah, arena or a setting for a really long time. And I wore like a, I wore one of my old Florida Gator gymnastics shirts and someone recognized me. Funny <laughs> enough, from five, six years ago, you know, when I was at Florida. And he's like, oh my God, you're Marissa King. And it's just like, it's great. It's great that people still remember the achievements, um, not only when I was a Gator, but yeah, when I was back home and competing for Great Britain as well. Moving on from your college career, a lot of gymnasts at that point decide to retire. And, and you talked about it earlier, just the wear and tear on your body by the time you get to year four of college. A lot of people don't have much left. You instead chose to go pursue Cirque du Soleil. So can you just talk about the decision to continue performing and how that transition sort of happened from college gymnastics to being a Cirque performer? I think actually being a late bloomer might have helped me keep some fuel in the tank for uh, for after college. Yeah, because I didn't feel so burnt out after college. I know I know most girls do and most girls are itching towards that final year and they get there and they're like, oh, okay, like, you know, I'm done. For me, it was more like, oh my gosh, that was the best year ever. I'm in the best shape I've ever been. What can be next from this? Because I feel like I can do more and I feel like I still have some fuel left in the tank that I feel like can be trans- can be used in a different way. So with Cirque du Soleil, the beauty of Cirque is that you can still use the foundation of gymnastics that you know you've built up for so many years and translate that onto the stage where you're also able to explore in theatre and arts and character work. And I'd always been very very interested in theatre work and to go to Cirque to also use my gymnastics and then use it in a way to become a character and a performer on a stage within a show, within the storyline, with the costume and the music. That was an amazing transition. So it's interesting because I didn't really see myself as a very strong bar worker. Uh, but when I went to Cirque, my first contract, it was actually uneven bars. Mm. But it was interesting because it was um, a lot of different individual skills and synchronized combinations with other people. And that's kind of what made it more interesting and it re-sparked my love for wanting to play and be creative again. And that's the fun in Cirque too, is that it's, it's a little bit different from the competitive competitive restrictions of gymnastics um, but it still has the performance fun side that you get when you perform in gymnastics so yeah it was really 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 fun and I 
I think that if there are ever gymnasts that think that there's something more that they can do with their bodies, um, stunt work is also something I looked into because I thought that could be really cool mm. um, and take you all over the world. You meet so many cool people. You learn so many different things in stunts as well. And Cirque du Soleil is also a fantastic avenue that you can use your gymnastics foundation and, and, and blossom in something else that um, you've, you've worked many years towards that, that can, that can be something a little bit different from, you know, competing every night. So it's been a journey for sure. Cause now, for example, I'm doing a bar act where I'm actually using a men's bar and mm. I'm 12 me I'm 12 meters high now. So, <laughs> you know, that's a whole nother challenge too. Cause it's like, I can do bars. I can do giants. I've done giants since I was like, yay high. Okay. But, now I'm doing it 12 meters high, which changes everything because it's so high. And it's like, oh my gosh, you know, you're sweating a little bit. It's like, okay, I, I can, I can do this. Okay. It's it, the height factor was something I've, I've never experienced before. I'm also tumbling again now in new, my new show, which I haven't, I was really strong on floor when I was at University of Florida. So to be able to tumble again and to use my legs has been great because now I can um, do something a bit different than swing, which I've done for the last five years. And I've always loved floor and tumbling and so that's been great to also do after a few years off from it as well so there's so many different things you can do within circus that you just have to kind of put yourself out there to find those opportunities that you can still use your skills for within gymnastics yeah i think what's so interesting about cirque is it's the the best in the world cirque du soleil is is the best of the best and because of that you almost never see mistakes so i i wonder what the pressure is like and the, the mental toll that it takes knowing that every single time you perform, not only is, is perfection what you want, but perfection is expected by everybody involved. I mean, is, is that something that, that kind of takes a toll on you over time? Yeah, I think being gymnast, I'm very much a perfectionist anyway. So going into Cirque, it was, um, yeah, I guess there's that bar that's already been set because a lot of the circus artists that are in Cirque have come from professional backgrounds of being either a professional circus artist from, from circus school or they've been at the highest level of their sport in the in elite gymnastics or trampolining or tumbling or whatever so um the bar is is pretty high but also too you just learn how to manage your body a little bit better because I don't do huge numbers anymore um, but what I do do, I try to do very, very well. And anything that I do out on stage, I'm a hundred percent sure that I'm confident and it's clear that it's safe because you just don't want to take that risk of something happening and, um, you, you know, you being out of the show because you're injured. Cause it's not, you know, it's not so much, yeah, it's not a hobby anymore. And it's your career, your body is your job. And if you, don't you look after it then yeah you're out of a job so it's a different type of pressure now because it's your responsibility to look after it as best you can and um what you do do out on stage is it's very much your responsibility to be sure that you feel comfortable and you feel safe enough to do that so that it doesn't jeopardize yourself or the other people that you're in the act with or on stage with i think the last cirque show that i saw there was someone who was hanging by their ponytail and like spinning in a circle. So my question is, what is the most unique act that you've worked with in your time as a Cirque du Soleil performer? Oh, wow. 
Because um, people can do some crazy things in Cirque. I've seen things. Do, yes. I've seen things yes. in Cirque I've never seen anywhere else. Yes. The hair hanging act is very, very unique. Like she puts her hair in like a super tight bun and then she puts a um, huge hook through it. Right. And it, the automation lifts her up by her hair bun, which, and that's <laughs> it, which is like absolutely nuts. I can't even imagine the strain on your hairline doing that. Right. But, um, in Alegria, it's such a fantastic show because there are quite unique acts in it. Like the high bar act that I'm actually a part of is the closing act of the show. And it's the only high bar act anywhere in the world because the structure is so unique. It's so difficult to rig. It's such a huge structure as well. Um, it takes so long to learn. It's the only place where you'll ever see that will be in Cirque du Soleil um, in Alegria. But um, I've witnessed some other incredible acts. You know, people can be very creative. Mm -hmm. And that's the cool thing about Cirque is that they love people's creativity and whatever someone wants to try and, you know, they want to help create that. That's because it's different. And that's why people come to see those shows too, because they're so unique. You don't know what to expect and you've never seen it before. And it continues in every show. Um, there will be something that you will never have seen and you will remember because you have never seen it. And that's the beauty of Cirque too, that that is ever evolving because creativity never stops. Mm -hmm. you know, being in Cirque has taken you, I, I imagine, all over the world. Um, I'm curious, what places stand out to you? What are some of the, the most outstanding locales you've gotten to visit because of your, uh, your international career? The European tour was for sure my favorite. Um, we do some fantastic places all around Europe. Um, you know, we were in Rome in the summer for seven weeks. We did Paris for nine weeks in the, during Christmas and the winter. We did some beautiful small places like Ghent and Bruges in Belgium. We got to go to the Royal Abbot Hall in London, which is my, you know, hometown. So having all my old gym friends, my old gym coaches, my family be able to come and see the show in that you know, the most iconic and prestigious venue in the whole of the UK was um, um, unbelievable. Yeah. So Europe was a very special, very, very great tour. But South America, I traveled around there for two years. We were in, you know, Argentina. We did three cities. I went to, um, I went to Chile. I went to Peru. I went to Brazil. I never thought I'd actually travel South America as extensively as I did when I was with Cirque. So that was definitely an opportunity I, I, I never thought I'd have. So those definitely stick out too because South America is a unique continent. You have to, people usually go to do just like Machu Picchu, then they go back home. But once you're there for a substantial amount of time, living more than just a tourist, that's what opens your eyes a little bit more to what it's like to really live there and be a resident in South America. So it's, um, yeah, an amazing continent. Wow. And then I would really love to go to Japan. I haven't yet done a Japanese tour. They do 18 months usually in Japan. Wow. Um, and then, yes, they also do a two-year tour around Australia, which is um, also a continent I haven't been able to travel yet with Cirque. So mm. hopefully we'll make our way over there because I know with Alegria, with, with new shows, they tend to open in Canada because Cirque du Soleil is a Canadian-based company. And then we do two years in North America um, to start the tour and then, Usually, usually it's Europe, but we'll see how things go with, especially all the circumstances that are going on right now. I think tour plans are going to be changing a lot and they're going to be trying to figure out where they can send shows, um, you know, based on the, the COVID situation. So it will be interesting actually to see what, what happens when the shows do start back up and where they will go. Um, and for us, 
we may stay in North America maybe a shorter period of time and go to a new continent. Who knows? It's, it's, it's kind of exciting right now because you just don't know what, where we're going to go and what's going to happen. But I think for sure we will start back up um, at some point in North America and we'll see kind of how long they'll keep us here and maybe they'll want to send us to a new continent because they do know that the show will be very successful wherever it does go. A couple of final things for you. And I was going to ask you about that because you were on tour here uh, when the, uh, the the shutdown basically occurred. I and mean, we're having this conversation right now uh, near the end of April. And I guess, you know, for you and, and your, your castmates, what's that like to be part of an internationally touring show at a time where you not only cannot tour, but you can't really even travel and everyone comes from various parts of the world? Yeah, so uh, closing in, in Houston was very quick. Everything escalated very quickly. And then we were all sent home. So the circuses, you know, the, yeah, a lot of international people within the cast and we were all sent back to our home countries. So now, you know, it's kind of like, well, when will things start to open up? Especially, you know, I feel like the entertainment industry is going to be one of the last things kind of to open up because it's not really, you know, a priority, you know, like schools and small businesses and stuff. So when will we open up? And then, you know, every country is, 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 is reacting differently to, to their regulations. So what, what, what COVID, what sort of situation COVID is happening in their country. So it's like, okay, when will everyone be able to come back together? And when will we be able to get everyone? in one place again where we'll be able to train to then hopefully reopen the show in whatever location it will be. So there are lots of uncertainty right now. Um, for sure, if I was in the UK, I wouldn't even be allowed to come back to America at the moment because it's closed to foreigners. I think a lot of the countries are um, and do have their borders closed. So I think just time will tell. Um, I do have confidence that Allegria will reopen at some point but it's just all a matter of of when and i think no one really knows the answer to that right now final question for you i know you talked about finishing college feeling like you still had a lot of uh, a lot of gas in the tank where do you where are you now in terms of that and and what do you see beyond cirque how much longer do you see yourself performing and then what would be next for you after that it's a great question um is this is this a question your parents bother you with and you're like why am i answering that now (laughs) No, you know, it's, it's interesting because, you know, almost every chapter of your life kind of has those questions. So I remember being at UF and leading up to my senior year and I was about to graduate, you know, everyone's asking me, oh, what's next? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> you have a few ideas, but you know, don't really know. And then same with Cirque, you know, I just turned 29 on Monday. And yeah, I've been, I mean, my sixth year now going on in Cirque and I do question you know how long I'll do this for and how much yeah fuel in the tank I still have left <laughs> um it's interesting though because I think what keeps me going is obviously I, I have my boyfriend now who is quite new within the company so his Cirque dream just started when Allegria opened um so I'm working with him and touring with him is really really beautiful it's really lovely having someone next to you and experiencing everything you're experiencing and seeing or seeing the world together um he definitely you know just started his journey whereas i'm you know a couple years ahead of him and i do question what's next and i do wonder how long i'll go for but for example um when i came to alegria uh there was a girl she's phenomenal she's a machine she's 44 years old wow and she's been working for the company for 18 years and she does high bar with me there's only two girls that do this 12 meter high bar act and she does it with me She's Russian. She's unbelievable. She has two kids and she just keeps going and she's, she's just fearless. And meeting her and um, working with her 
has definitely pushed me, you know, and she, she keeps me on my toes because I'm like, oh, my God, she's 44 years old and she's doing it. Let me make sure I can do it too, you know. Right. So um, you meet people within, especially this new cast of Alegria that had a very wonderful mix of um, older, mature artists and newbies who are brand new to the company. I feel like my six years is relatively small compared to some people that have been with the company doing multiple things um, and have been performing for you know 10 plus years so we'll see I'm definitely taking it you know month by month day by day all that kind of thing week by week but I don't feel like I'm done yet I feel I'm I'm still working out you know it's weird to not actually be able to do anything but only home workouts right now and I feel that the break is actually great for me especially because we do so many shows um in, in a condensed period and only, and only a week off when we transfer to the next city so I'm actually embracing the break. I think it's great for my body. Um, I'm taking care of it very, very well. Um, I wish I kind of looked after my body this well when I was also in gymnastics in my elite career and had the knowledge of nutrition and diet and rest and recovery and all those kinds of things. Because I wonder what sort of impact that would have had in my collegiate and my elite career. But definitely now it's, it's more important than ever. And I think that will be um, the answer to how long I may last for, plus obviously staying healthy. And, and you know, I'm, I'm getting to the point, too, where I think I'd love to start a family soon at some point as well. That's also playing on my mind. And I want to make sure that when that time comes, I will have kind of achieved and accomplished and my all the goals I've wanted within Cirque, because who knows what happens to your body after you have a baby and start a family and, and all that. So... Yeah, a couple of years, yeah, for sure. But uh, it's definitely one of those things that I, I think about regularly, but not to the point where I don't enjoy the present moment and being on stage and doing what I love every day and being so blessed to have a job that I really do love so much. So we'll see, really, we'll see. Mm -hmm. Well, Marissa, thank you so much for sharing all your stories. As a Cirque diehard, I hope that you guys get back out there very, very soon and are able to tour again. And, uh, and hopefully you guys come to Atlanta so I can see you. But thank you again so much for, for sharing so much with us today. Oh, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure speaking to you. Thank you. We hope you've enjoyed this deep dive into the stories and legacies of two Gator greats. And be sure to join us next week as we turn our attention to Gator Baseball's 2017 title run. Until then, I'm Adam Schick. Thanks for joining us for Gator Tales, Gator Greats.